Good morning, everybody. I want to tell you a story today. Long, long time ago, when I was in Bible college, as if out of a fairy tale or storybook, something happened to me. God gave me a glimpse of something special. And not that I'm special, but God is special. Something which at the time struck me as unbelievable and amazing. Now the world would tell me that what I'm about to tell you is a lie. Or they might simply say that I'm crazy, which is fine. <laughs> call me crazy, as long as you call me crazy for Jesus Christ and his word. And even the faithful Christians tried to explain away the story I'm about to tell you. By means of human ration and logic. Now the God that I know, however, is often quite illogical in all of his wisdom and glory. Especially when pressed up against it compared to simplistic human logic, which is quite crude. Even useless. Even meaningless in comparison. God's logic is often quite illogical to you and I. Even foolishness. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. Or 1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached, to save those who believe. And in like manner, the wisdom of the world is foolishness before God. 1 Corinthians 3, 18, 19 says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. So biblically, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I am foolish. Human logic makes quite a bit of sense to you and I. And yet God's logic is perfectly sound in every way. And human logic is perfectly skewed in every way. Only in heaven could such a thing be. Now, it seems strange to me a Christian trying to explain away something of the Spirit of God simply by means of natural logic and reason. Because the spiritual and what has come to be through the flesh are always opposed to one another. And so, therefore, through means of human logic, we are never able to draw the correct conclusion. A conclusion whose end is truth. It is very possible in this world to always be learning, even as the savants and geniuses of the earth, and yet still never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 3.7 tells us this. Anyways, here we go. One night in Bible college, it was the middle of the semester, I went into my prayer closet to seek the face of the Lord, the same as I did almost every night. 
Now, my prayer closet was literally a closet in my dorm room. And my dorm room was actually part of a two-bedroom apartment within a complex. That's where they put up the older students. I think I was 29, maybe 30. Now, the apartment had two bedrooms, which were opposite one another, with the kitchen and the living room in between. It's a common apartment. And I remember the time perfectly. It was 7.30 p.m. The image of the clock at 7.30 is burned into my brain even today, and will be, most assuredly, for the rest of my life. Now, at 7.30, when I got up to go pray, I was sitting in the living room with the rest of my roommates. There were four of us. Each room had a bunk bed. Now, up until 7.30, we were all watching a movie, laughing, enjoying one another's company, breaking bread, drinking coffee. The room was full of the life of early Eve. So as the clock struck 7.30, I pop up and disappear into my dark bedroom and even darker closet to pray. Now I close the closet door behind me just in case my roommate needs to come into the room to use the bathroom or pop open his computer to finish some last minute assignment. Now on this night, as was the case with most nights, my heart was set to pray for half an hour, 30 minutes. So I set the timer on my phone, I hit start, and off I went, searching for the voice of the Lord. Now there was nothing different or strange about this particular night. 30 minutes went by just as 30 minutes go by. Now there was something I remember being somewhat unusual though. There was one small thing that I remember taking note of. I remember saying to myself, man... That was the easiest 30 minutes of prayer ever. My mind didn't wander once. Not one time did I think about girls or food. Not one time did I catch myself thinking about the day. There was only worship. I had no concept of the time or the clock or the countdown. You know, I never looked at the clock and was like, okay, I got 10 minutes left. As was sometimes the case. I was in the spirit, but I was also completely conscious and cognizant of everything. So I thought. Now the 30 minutes go by and it felt exactly like 30 minutes has always felt. The timer on the phone goes off. And I push myself up from my knees and onto my feet. Now here's where my story starts to get interesting. I come out of the closet and back into my dark bedroom. Nothing unusual. Everything was the same as it was before I went into the closet. So I thought. Now I come out of the bedroom and enter back into the living room. And all the lights are off. And the apartment is eerily quiet. Not at all such as I expected. I can even hear the chirp of the crickets outside. Even today. Now, my immediate thought was, everybody took off to go see the 8 o'clock showing at the theater down the street earlier in the evening. We had spoken about maybe going to see an 8 o'clock movie. Now, still at this point, 
Nothing seems unusual to me, other than the living room was other than I'd expected. Everybody was gone. But then my eyes slowly move up the wall and they fix on the clock hanging in the living room just above the couch. The clock reads 11.30 p.m. And my knees instantly became as water. Now, once I pulled the reins on the instantaneous rush of racing thought, confusion settled in, as if a dark cloud had suddenly passed through my head. I thought, the logical and rational. The clock is wrong. It can't be 11.30. It's 8 o'clock. So I go into the kitchen and check the microwave clock. 11.30. I look at my phone. 11.30. And suddenly I think it hits me wait a second if it's really 11.30 everybody is probably in bed we all start kind of early in the a.m. so I hurriedly rush from the kitchen back into my dark bedroom and sure enough my roommate is under the covers fast asleep so I rush across the living room and I quietly crack open the door to the other bedroom and peer in and there they are under the covers All of my roommates are sound asleep. Now at this point, the cloud of confusion is passing and leaving behind it a residue of astonishment. Alright, so here it is. What was perceived as exactly half an hour to me was exactly four hours to the whole rest of the world. That makes sense. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense unless you are taking into account the greatness of an eternal God who exists outside of time and has complete, utter control over every aspect of it. Even the 30-minute timer on my phone perceived the 30 minutes as exactly four hours. Human logic dissipates. As when the hot sun of morning vaporizes the early morning dew, when the king of glory decides to put that very glory on display within the confined boundaries of space and time. Are you confused? Do you doubt what I'm telling you? Do you think I simply fell asleep? Well, I hope that you are confused. Because if you are, that will only set the stage for what is to be one of the most confusing discussions that men and women can have on earth. Time and space and the eternal nature of God outside of time and space. Now, one or two Christians have said to me, Stu, bro, you fell asleep. Now, I haven't told this story, but to a few people. And it's not that I'm afraid to be judged or called a liar. It's just always been a special moment between me and God. That's how I've, how I've always taken it. Until today. Now, I ask you, have you ever prayed for half an hour? Do you not know if you fall asleep or not? Of course you do. I didn't pop up with drool all over my arm thinking, where am I? Who put me in this closet? 
I knew where I was, and I knew what I was doing for the entire half an hour or four hours. Like I said, it was the easiest half an hour or four hours of prayer I had ever known up until that point. Now, maybe prayer should always be easy, but I'm just being real. Now, let us, you and I, go on a journey and try to explain the best that we can the inexplicable. Let us, you and I, get confused together. But let us enjoy and let us meditate on the greatness of the glory of our God with every step and at every turn. Second right, Peter 3.8 says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Now it's possible that Peter was recalling something Moses said many years prior, though Peter says it a little different. Moses says in Psalm 94, For in your sight, A thousand years are but a day that passes, or of a watch of the night. Now, what does that mean? (laughs) I'm waiting. I need you to tell me. Okay, let's start here. Go to places any. God is eternal, meaning that God has no beginning and he has no end. God is the great I am. Now Moses says to God in Exodus 3, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What do I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. Then God said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So God tells Moses that his name... now. Now, I'm going to use the word name loosely here for our sakes. God didn't say in the passage, tell the people, my name is I am. He basically says to Moses, why do you ask my name? I am who I am. So God is saying to Moses, if you must, tell the people that I am has sent me to you. Now, the name of God, I am, indicates the eternal, all-powerful nature of God. Any other name could imply that there was a time when God was given that name. But God exists outside of time, and God exceeds time. God eternally fills and overflows time. He has always been. He just is. And to say that God is eternal and that he has always been is the same as saying that he will always be. God could never cease to exist in the same way that eternity could never cease to exist. By definition, eternity just is. No beginning and no end. Now everything has a beginning except that which is eternal and God is eternal. Now rather it would be truer from my perspective to say that God is eternal. Eternity, capital E. First Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Eternal 
is who God is. Apart from God, the word eternal has no meaning and it has no true substance. Now, what do I mean that God is eternity? Capital E. I mean that no universe, no matter how big, could ever contain God. God fills and overflows eternally all space and all time. There is no place that God is not. Psalm 94.9 says, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? And Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24 says, Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? God is eternity and fills all things seen or unseen. And so supersedes time and space infinitely perfectly and wholly well the people want to know how is it possible that anything can exist that has no beginning and this is a thought that the human mind has muffed and fumbled since the beginning of time i've never come across any piece of literature to satisfactorily explain such a deep holy godly concept and that includes the bible I'm not saying the solution isn't in the Bible. I'm just saying that God hasn't shown it to me yet. Well, instead of me trying to explain what cannot be explained, let us just concede that some mysteries are just beyond our scope of comprehension. But that doesn't mean that the man and woman of faith cannot glory and to meditate at the greatness of the ways of God. God has at least given us the comprehension to ponder such great mysteries, which inevitably leaves us in awe at the greatness and holiness and power of His beautiful, eternal Spirit. And in our awe, all glory goes to God, which He loves to see in His children. God says in Isaiah 55, My ways are not your ways, nor are my thoughts your thoughts, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Indeed. And Peter also gives us a hint that these things are indeed beyond perfect comprehension. In the verse we just read, let's read it again. 2 Peter 3.8 But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Some things so beautiful and so deep simply remain with the Lord of glory. Though he may, through the spirit of grace, Give us a taste of his unfathomable wisdom and power as he did with me in my prayer closet so many years ago. You see, there was no time. There was no moment in history. No moment in time that God began to exist. 
History itself is a figment of time and suggests a certain passage of time, seasons, and epics. But God, eternity, is beyond time. God thinks outside of the box because he is eternally and infinitely outside of the box. God cannot be contained by any amount of space. And God cannot be burdened by any amount of time. God exceeds time exponentially and eternally. God just is. Now time as we know it. Time as we know it is a created thing. Created by God. Which in itself is a mind-boggling thought. Let alone eternity. Everything that God does on earth, past, present, or future, as we perceive his work to be, past, present, and future, is beyond time. Our perception of the truth is far from the truth. Our eternal God does not perceive his own work on earth as past, present, and future. These are all confines of time, and time being a created, worldly detail. All things are present to the eternal I am. All things simply are, just as he is. Eternity just is. Eternity, capital E, is confined or delayed by nothing. Eternity has no perception of the passage of time and no perception of time lost. Therefore, God never has any reason to grow impatient. And therefore, God could never feel any need to hurry up. All things are always perfectly before God. Which is why God's timing, as we perceive it, is always perfect, even to the millisecond. Again, as we perceive it, milliseconds are a passage of time, and God doesn't operate within the confines of time, for he is incomprehensibly beyond time. He is inexplicably greater than time. Time has no bearing on the work of God. God will never look at his watch and say, Oh, I better do this, or I better go there. He has already done it, and he is already there. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. God can neither be late nor early, only perfect. All things are present to God. God is eternally and always perfectly in the moment. And all things are ever perfectly before Him. Eternity, capital E, always lives in the moment. And the moment is always Past, present, and future as far as you and I are concerned. Living here on earth within the confines of space and time. Alright, let me go back to Psalm 94 one more time. I feel like there's something I need to point out. Psalm 94. Moses says, For in your sight a thousand years are but a day that passes, or of a watch of the night. Now, Moses isn't saying that God doesn't perceive any difference between a day and a thousand years. God has perfect knowledge and understanding of everything which he has ever created. 
What Moses is saying is that God's works and actions are not affected in any way by time, neither by time's passage nor its approach. Humans are always affected or being affected by time, both inwardly, biologically, and outwardly, like our schedules and things like that. But God is not affected by time in any way. God's works could no more be late or early than eternity could cease to exist. Eternity just is. And God's works just are. Both are absolutely perfect in essence and expression. In other words, what God does today in our world, today, October 25th, 2020, what God does today in our world is no more a sure thing than what God will do a thousand years from today. What God does today and what God does a thousand years from today have already happened within the perfect eternity of our holy God. There are no surprises to God. And there is no having to wait with God. And there is no having to hurry up with God. Therefore, patience consumes God. And by this very law, in what we perceive as a moment, God could do the work of an eternity. The work is done. The work is finished. And absolutely unaffected and untouched by time. The amount of work and the amount of time have no natural connection whatsoever. God cannot be inconvenienced by our knuckleheadedness as we grow ever so slowly as Christians. God cannot be inconvenienced by any perceived delay from our perspective. God is eternity and beyond time. Therefore, God is patience. Not patient. God is patience. Just as eternity is patience by essence and virtue. Eternity does not perceive time as passing quickly or slowly. A billion millennium means nothing to eternity. A billion millennium may as well be the moment or the present. Eternity just is. And God just is. And this is why God told Moses to tell the people that I am has sent you. Alright, so here is the natural, relatable question that's sometimes asked. In heaven, will our perception of eternity be the same as God's? Is what we've described thus far, to the best of our ability. Will our perception of time cease to exist as we enter eternity? Now, this is a very interesting question, because the Bible creates some mystery around this question. A beautiful mystery. (laughs) You know... The ways of God are like a fairy tale to me. You can never make this stuff up. The questions that we're asking today are obviously to me. Otherworldly. Holy. It's separated. Just as he is separated. Revelation 8.1 says, When he opened the seventh seal, that is Christ. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Half an hour. Now, half an hour is an object of time, indicating time's passage, obviously. But it doesn't say that there was silence for a half hour. The text says that there was silence for about half an hour. So we know that John, the author of the book of Revelation, and the recipient of the Revelation, 
We know that he wasn't looking at a clock on the wall in heaven. Most likely, John simply calculated the feeling of the passage of time just as he normally would on earth. He may have been simply saying it felt as though it was about half an hour. Okay. But what about Revelation 21, 1 and 2? The first two passages of the very last chapter of the Bible. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, yielding its fruit every month. Days, months, and years are all objects of time, right? The same as a half an hour is a measurement of time. Now, now it's much harder with this passage to argue that John was simply calculating the feeling of the passage of time in his heart as he may naturally do, being that he is a finite being created within the sphere of space and time. Now, whether we will have any awareness of the passage of time in heaven is a beautiful mystery. And I don't think that we could say either way with the true authority of Scripture, not perfectly anyway. We see but hints to be meditated upon. But I will tell you, I will tell you one thing that I do know for sure. A thought that is founded on the perfect authority of Scripture. If we are aware of the passage of time, there will be no day that feels to be too long. There will be no day that drags on. And there will be no moment that we will ever wish that it would all just come to an end. Our hearts will never again know such feeling because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Psalm 1611. In heaven, aware of time or not, we will never cease to be overcome by joy in the presence of the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. Gratitude, thankfulness, and joy will consume us even every moment for all eternity. So don't worry about time, especially you pastors who have so much to do. Time belongs to God. Trust God with your time and don't stress the schedule. Do what you were created to do, church. Worship and enjoy God. Delight in God. Offer up praise and thanksgiving with every second you have. And you will find that those of you who don't have enough time will suddenly have too much. And in like manner, those of you who have too much time will find that you don't have enough. Psalm 46.10 Cease striving. Cease striving. 
and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen.